Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. There's a thought that's burgeoning on my heart and it's, it's been a while now for the past few weeks that uh, God is a, a very present help in the time of trouble. And uh, I've been singing this particular song almost daily, playing it on my piano at home almost every day and singing it out to the Lord that God indeed is a, a very present help in the time of trouble. Amen. Now, God is help. And I want to speak to you. I've entitled this Grace to Help. It's taken from um, Hebrews chapter 4. But before we get there, what I want to just explain to you as I've been doing is that the Lord just seemed to interrupt us very briefly in the flow of our financial um, series for a brief moment. And we're going to get back to that once I sense the green light of the Lord to do that. Okay. Uh, last week, for the past two weeks, I've been uh, teaching you very strongly of how that grace is God's obedience enabling power that when God expects of you to do something, it's not left to you to do it entirely because God will come in behind the scenes and push you, empower you, enable you to get the job done for which he has called you to, okay? Um, all God requires is your cooperation within his sovereignty to do what he has called you to do, okay? He requires you to cooperate with him. And the moment you bend your will to his, he gives the required grace you would need to please Him. Okay? So it's all God at the end of the day. Part of that component of the, um, the grace of God working within the life of the believer, when it comes in, the grace of God, which is the essence of God, has peculiar effects. Essence has effects. In essence, it is the compositional makeup of God as spirit. But when it comes to you, a certain outcomes or effects it will have in your life. For example, I've been teaching you that he who is grace and rich knows how to give. So you never ever give from the position of your soul, your mind, your rational mind. You give from a grace enriched spirit. Grace knows how to, to give forth and out uh, from itself. One of the best ways to access more grace is by giving. Right? You give from grace, but you when you give, you position yourself for further grace. And God is able to make all grace uh, abound to you. So you at all times, in all circumstances, will abound unto every good work. Now, one of the effects of grace would be when God is in you, His substance, He will help you. Okay, He will help you. Now, we've touched on this before, but I want to I deliver it as a prophetic witness to the house. In the atmosphere, I wanted to hang over the, the, the congregation of the assembly of this congregation that God is helper, that God is a very present help in the time of trouble. A few verses of scripture, we've just sung Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. The question, it's a question that David is asking. 
It's a question. He says, from where shall my help come? It's a question. And he gives the answer to it. He says, my help comes from the, the Lord, the one who made the heaven and the earth. I want to encourage you, church. I just felt that sometimes we get overwhelmed by the bigness of our minute problems when reference from God's perspective, they are really minute, not so? From your perspective, this is a big trial I'm facing. And very often when you focus on the bigness of your trial, you diminish the power of God in reference to the trial. But when you focus on the bigness of God, the severity of your trial dwarfs in the light of His power. Whenever you're facing an impasse, do not focus on the impossibility of what you are facing. Rather focus on the limitlessness of our God in the face of every uh, potential threat to His purposes. And soon, that huge problem in your estimate dwarfs, it diminishes in the light of the immense power of our God. Okay? Here, when David says, do you want to know who's helping me? Question. You want to know? Ask your neighbor, do you really want to know? There's a question. He says, where does my help come from? He says, it's not just God. It's the God who made heaven and earth is the one who's helping me. Right? If you made the entirety of the heavens, the entirety of the earth, what is this little problem that I'm facing in the light of every single thing that he has done? Grace, grace, even to that mountain. Right? You'll become a plain. And the spirit of faith has been rising up within me because faith looks at God's power in the light of limited human possibility. It's impossible from a human point of view, but from God's unlimitedness, that thing is, is possible. Don't amplify the bigness of your problem in the light of a big God, right? You rather amplify the big God that dwarfs and makes your problem small. The woman at the well said this to the Lord. Remember, the woman at, from Samaria said to the Lord, um, give me water to, to, to drink. Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me and I will give you living water. She immediately said this. You have no bucket and the well is deep. That's what she said. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. What she's doing? She's looking at Christ, and she's saying, from what I can see in your person, you're totally powerless to give me any water from a natural perspective. She limited the power of the Lord, and she amplified the problem. You have no bucket, and the well is deep. There's two problems here. You are limited, and the prop this well is a very deep well. And that's what we tend to do in life. We look at God and we say, God, you are powerless to fix this one. Oh, by the way, this one is deep. Right? And I want to encourage you, never ever do that. Never ever amplify the nature of your problem and diminish the possibility of your God. You always focus on God. So when David was in a fix, what did he immediately turn to? Earth and heaven. Who made that? God. That's the one that's going to help me. Right? Okay. Um, he's the possessor of the heavens, the possessor of the earth. When Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, right? Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Blessed be Abraham of God, most high, the possessor of the 
heavens and the earth. Abraham is saying to him, Melchizedek uh, is saying to Abraham, you tithe to me. And your tithe has opened up possibilities for God to intervene in your life. But this God is literally possessing all created realms, both seen and unseen, both eternal and temporal. God is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Abram, that God is going to reward you because of your obedience. Whenever he would tithe, I believe, opens up the power of possibility of an unlimited God, excuse me, unlimited God to intervene in his life. The Bible says the tithe withholds the devourer. Okay? Keeps the devourer from, from out of your life. Everyone say possessor of heaven. Say possessor of earth. Right? That's the God who's going to help you. That's the God who's going to help you. Don't think small. I can see some of you looking at me, but I can see small thinking of God in your mind. Please, I want to encourage you, do not think small. Uh, tell you about don't play with God. And I mean, you know, in Wentworth we say, hey, don't play with me. I'll sort you out. <laughs> don't play with God, right? Meaning, hey, he's mighty. He can do, the, he can do literally impossible. And I want to encourage you. Thank you. I want to encourage all of us. Limit, break the limit that you've set on the Father. Right? No matter what your faith, I, I, I challenge you today. If your faith rises sufficiently, what seems significantly impossible, if you, a revelation of God as your help will release help. You see, you can only trust God for according to the revelation that you have of Him. You cannot believe beyond the depth of your revelation of Him. Not so? So as you see something in Him, you release that component to be active in you. Gideon last week, remember what we, saw, what we said about Gideon? Who did he face as an op opposition? The Midianites. What does Midian mean? Strife and contention. So how does God reveal himself to Gideon? Jehovah Shah. Lom. God didn't come to Gideon as Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Seikanu or Jehovah Shammah. God came to him as Jehovah Shalom. So God could, have, God could have opened up any piece of himself to Gideon, any piece. Well, he opened up the piece called peace, right? Any part of himself. He opened up peace because Gideon, you need to see that component in me to deal with that specific enemy that you are facing. Okay, so listen, I want to encourage you. I pray the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened today. And that you would really see God as a God who wants to help and who is very intent on helping. Because part of the essence, or rather the effect of the essence of His grace, when it's present, it beckons to assist. Now, I want to demonstrate this to you uh, from the Scriptures. Just one or two more verses. Psalm 124 verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Again, yeah, the psalmist says, the name of the Lord means the nature of the Lord. The nature of the Lord is help. His credentials, his CV, his qualifications, his eligibility to help, is I made everything. I made heavens and earth. So why do you limit me in reference to that small thing that you are facing me? I made everything. I challenge you when you pray tonight 
when you pray this week, start your prayers. My Father in heaven, maker of the heavens and the earth, and then proceed. Come on, say with me, my Father in heaven, maker of the heavens and the earth. Say, my Father in heaven, possessor of the heavens and the earth. You know what? Why you must keep on saying it. The more you say it, the more it gets into your psyche. You, that's why meditation is so important. You know, the, the, the root word for meditation, I did the series a long time ago, literally means to mutter in soft undertones under your breath. If you meditate, it's not just the employment of the mind to think and revolve over. The Hebrew concept of meditation is to employ the mind, but employ the mouth in a soft undertone. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, is my help. You're thinking, God is my help, maker of heaven and earth. Even I must do this for five minutes nonstop, I'll do it. God, you're the maker of heaven. I'm meditating. Hagah, the Hebrew, remember? It means to make soft undertones, guttural sounds. From the spirit, guttural, from deep within your core, you are the make. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. Tell your neighbor, meditate. Don't agitate. Now, let me get to the main text: Hebrews four, verse fifteen and sixteen. Hebrews four, fifteen and sixteen. Amen. We do not have a high priest. I like this text. Jesus is our high priest. We do not have a high priest, it says, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, everyone say weakness. The context for help, most times in Scripture, is human weakness. Right? Now, we all fail from time to time, don't we? Yes. Um, we all are prone to fall. Even the Bible says the righteous fall seven times, but he gets up each time. Okay? So there's this humanity that we are confronting and that we have to deal with even though we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Like the man in the Gospels, we believe, but yet sometimes we have to pray the prayer, Lord, help my unbelief. Right? Help, help me not to totter. Help me to be sturdy. Okay? Help me to be sturdy. So there's something in you called human weakness is the context for this verse. And the text says, Jesus, our high priest, is able to be sympathetic to that. Do not be too hard on yourself in your weakness when your heart is after God. Do not be too hard on yourself when, you have a, when, you, when you're bent on a pure heart, a desire to please God. And momentarily, from time to time, you find yourself failing in your, in your weakness. Jesus is sympathetic to that. I want to tell you, He is not judgmentally waiting to crack his whip every time you fall and say, come here. Bah! No, 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 no. Tell your neighbor, he sympathizes. You know, when you use the word sympathize, you're saying, if someone dies, I sympathize, I commiserate. What you're saying is, what you are feeling, um, it's exactly what I'm feeling. I pitch into your struggle. Now, Jesus, been there, done that. He was a man, and he walked on this earth. And the Bible says he was tempted in all respects as, as you and I were, yet he did not sin. So he understands human challenge. He understands human failure. He understands human weakness. And the, the text says he's, he's sympathetic to that. 
That is why it says, He's been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. He knows exactly what you're facing. Tell your neighbor, Jesus knows exactly what you're facing. Right? He's very sympathetic. If, let me say, if you love God and you are His son, and from time to time you fail because of weakness, the Lord is sympathetic if your heart is bent on pleasing Him, but you're finding the struggle in your flesh. There's a sympathy in God towards you. Okay? But don't stay in that weakness when there's a solution to get you from weakness to strength again. Okay? And the next verse says it beautifully. It says, therefore, the word therefore, whenever it's in the scripture, you must always ask, what is it therefore? Right? Therefore means, in the light of what I've just said, based upon my previous verse, I've just told you, this high priest seated at the right hand of the Father is sympathetic to my human weakness because he was a man too. He's not alien from your situation. He's able to identify fully with what you're going through. But in the light of that, this text says, therefore, let us do what? We, we draw near with confidence. The Greek word for confidence means frankness of speech. Have you ever met a confident child? There's one here. Bold, knows a personality, not, not, not uh, introvertish, but bold and frank speech. That's what the word in the Greek means. Everyone say bold and frank speech. When you pray, you don't come, hey, maybe the Lord's going to hear me today. I'm coming in sheepishly, you know, coming through the back door. I'm coming in, uh, Lord, it's me again. Oh, by the way, my name is Randall. <laughs> Listen, you don't need to remind God of your name. He knows your name. Right? He knows everything about you. And don't come in disqualified. If you come in that way, you're already coming in without what? Everyone say confidence. Right? The Bible says, do not, let, do not let go of your confidence, which has great reward. Okay? Do not let go of your confession of faith, your confidence, which has great reward. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to what? I say it louder, throne of grace. What does throne denote? Rulership, authority, governance. But the rule of God is characterized by the grace of God. It's a throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. It's not a throne of harshness. It's a throne baptized, immersed in His grace. So you are struggling with human weakness. You come not... Um, sheepishly, not reluctantly, not hesitantly, not with no assurance. You come, not arrogantly, but you come confidently. Don't come proudly. Don't come in your own strength. But you come because you're coming towards your Father who loves you. Right? And you come boldness and your frankness of speech. Why? Because you will receive mercy and you're going to find grace to help. In time of need. This phrase caught me. Say it with me. Grace to help. Come on, say it louder. Grace to help. Now there is something in scripture called grace to. Grace to help in time of need. Okay. And its, it's focus is to cause you to overcome human weakness. That sometimes trips you up every time. You fall, 
you are expected to confidently draw near and not draw back. Don't run away from God, run to God. I want to encourage you, when you're finding it difficult or challenging in a particular matter, to please God and you find yourself failing all the time, that is not the time to run away. That's the time to seek Him more earnestly. That's the time in which you draw, you draw near, you come. Because this is an invitation. I want to encourage you, this is a divine invitation to us all. The Lord saying, come. Right? Jesus was walking in the water, Peter in the boat. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, I'm coming. And Jesus said, come. That's all he needed to hear, come. And he, he, he left the limitation of his humanity and he accessed a power in the grace of God that overcame the law of gravity. And he walked on water at the invitation, come. I'm saying to you, the Lord is saying to all of us by the Spirit of the Lord this morning, come. Come closer to me. Come and draw near in intimacy. The moment you say, if you bid me, come, I come. I start to access a power that's not mine. And no man comes to the Father unless he is drawn. No man comes to me, Jesus said, unless he is drawn by my, my Father. Whenever the command in Scripture says, come, you will always find attached to it the enabling grace of God to fuel your, your coming. My favorite, Psalm 27 says, when you said, seek my face, my, my heart said, thy face, O Lord, I will, I will seek. And I want to encourage us all. The Lord is calling us to greater intimacy because He wants to unveil Himself in great help to your human weakness. Great help to your human weakness. Everyone say throne of grace. Now, he, Romans 5.17 says the following. If throne is significant of rulership and authority and governance, uh, Please be aware, the place on which God sits and He rules, His throne is one of grace. And He bids you, with all your freckles and frikies, with all of your weaknesses and failures, He's saying, come. But when you come, come confidently. Because you're coming, not, you're coming by my blood, which made a way for you. You're coming to, to, to obtain mercy. That text says, you, you, you obtain or you receive mercy, but you find grace to help in times, of, in times of need. So if you come to a throne, guess what's going to be expressed in your life? Ruling, rulership. Because you can't engage a throne and not rule after your engagement with a throne. This text says in Romans 5.17, For if by the transgression of one, death reigned through one. Who is he speaking of here? Adam. Remember? Adam sinned, one man sinned, and death reigned over all of humanity through one man's transgression. So if by the transgression of one, death reigned through one, listen, much more. Now, much more means exactly what it says. Say much more. But say it like as much more. Say much more. It's like as, as powerful as an effect that the singular sin of Adam had, on the entirety of humanity, he's about to make a comparison, but he's going to stress the greater impact of the other man upon humanity, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, much more those who received what? 
Everyone say abundance of grace. Come on, say it again. Abundance of grace. It says, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and what? And the gift of righteousness will do what in life? Come on, tell your neighbor, you are called to reign in life. To rule in life. You are under no circumstances. How are you? Well, under the circumstances. No, you're under no circumstances. Tell your neighbor, I'm on top of things. You might be facing difficult things, but I, I declare to you in Jesus' name, you will not be under anything. You're going to be over everything. It's going to be because something in you came. It's called grace to help. And there's an abundance of it available. You have received two things, an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. In a few weeks, I'm going to connect the two, grace and righteousness. The Lord just showed me something just last night, actually. And I, I, I want to demonstrate that from the scriptures. But two things have come into you. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And the effect is that you will rule and reign in life. The thing that you need to rule is grace and righteousness. If you're not ruling, maybe your grace measure needs topping up. Observe all the principles I taught you in the grace series about to increase your grace allocation. Observe those things so that your grace content will grow. And then you're going to find rulership and reigning in life by Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace gets results where human effort doesn't get results. So no matter what you're facing in your private world, I want to encourage you tap into the deposit that is designed to get you successful, it's called the grace of God. Grace of God. I submit to you, whatever you're struggling with right now, you will not struggle again. You're going to rule and reign over that thing. Be aware of this thing. I have an abundance of grace. And that grace in me is going to cause me to dominate every single thing that stares me as a challenge in life. This is not in heaven. I like this phrase. Say in life. Come on, say now. Say now. Say today. Say this week. Say in life. You're not see people waiting for heaven. There's nothing to rule when you're there. You need to reign now. Right? Heaven must come on earth now. You reign in life. Now faith is the substance of things hopeful. Okay? So I want to encourage you rule by grace. Now. To understand this fully, how does grace come? Primarily through the Word of God. I taught you this. There are various, I think, 12 methodologies by which grace, more grace can come to you. Please consult my website for the notes and for the audios. But preeminently, primarily, grace comes to you through the Word of God. It's packaged in words that come to you through doctrine that fuel your spirit, that cause you to reign in life. So if you neglect the word, you neglect grace. But apart from the word, it comes via to the spirit of the Lord. Because Jesus is no longer here. And the Bible says concerning him in John chapter 1, that he was full of grace and truth. And of his fullness, we have received grace upon, we have received grace upon grace. Now, John 14 from verse 15, look carefully, John 14 verse 15, 
I want to encourage you, now that he is not here, he has left us the Holy Ghost. He said, I must go away so that he comes. So the Holy Ghost has come to take his place on earth. Jesus was limited in that he was in a human body. He could only be in one place at one time, anywhere, at any point in time on the planet of the earth. He was not omnipresent when he was alive on the earth for three and a half years. He was in a body and could be in one place at one time. But he said it is needful for me to go back to my father because if I don't go back, the Holy Spirit will not be given and he is given in my place. He will be just like me, but he will be in you all and with you all in whatever country or whatever continent you find yourself. Something I couldn't do in my flesh. He, the Holy Ghost, who is a spirit being, will be in you all, with you all, over all the earth. So the Holy Spirit has got this omnipresence um, about him. He's ubiquitous is the word. He's everywhere at the same time present. Everywhere at the same time present wherever the sons of God are. So in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another what? Now, if Jesus says he'll give you another helper, the King James says he will give you another comforter. Hmm? The word comforter in the King James and helper, yeah, in the New American Standard Version, is exactly the same Greek root, which I'll explain in a moment. So, Another helper, why? The word that means with this intent, he will be with you for, the Holy Spirit will be with you forever. Okay? That is the spirit of truth, he is called, which the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor knows him. But you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Say, the Holy Ghost is with me. Say, the Holy Ghost is in me. Right? And he's called another helper. Come on, say, he's called another helper. The word another. If Jesus said, I will go away. Go back to verse 16. If he is saying another, what is he saying about himself? I'm a helper too, but there's another helper coming. Right? But you know the word another is alos in the Greek. And it lit, it's not hetero. Hetero means unlike or dissimilar. Like heterosexual. Right? To opposite sex. Male and female. It, there's, there's a word another in the Greek translated heteros or hetero. That word is not used here. The word here is alos. And is a significant difference in meaning. The word alos means one of the same quality and substance as I am. Just like me. The substance that abides in me is exactly the quality of the substance you can expect from He, the Holy Ghost. I go away, He comes, but He is described as a helper. Everyone say, the Holy Ghost is a helper. Now I want to encourage you, especially the young people, at school, all of you, at university, be aware of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. He's not an it. 
He's not a force. He's not something abstract. He's not some power. He's a person with feelings. That's what the Bible says. Do not grieve him. Right? He's got feelings. He can make decisions. He can empower or disempower people. Okay? He is exactly part of the Godhead as the Father is. He is not less than the Father or the Son. The substance, theologians call this the hypostasis principle. The same substance in the Father is the same substance in the Son, is the same substance in the Holy Spirit. In ranking, though, the Father is the functional head of the Godhead. The Son executes the will of the Father, and the Holy Spirit empowers the Son to please the Father. Right? All three in, in one. Alos, he's got the same substance as me. So everyone say helper. The Greek for helper is parakletos. It's from the Greek word parakeleo, which means to comfort, to, ex to, to encourage, or to exhort. It literally means this, parakletos, literally means to come to aid or an aid of any kind, to assist, to come alongside, to help. So when you think of the Holy Ghost, you think of God, the Holy Spirit, you full of grace, Holy Spirit, the substance that comprises the Father and the Son is exactly in you. So when you come, you are, the scripture says, both in me and with me, when you are with me, you come alongside me to help, to aid. And in your aiding, you exhort, you comfort me. Lest I be discouraged by what faces me, you are that agency which is designed as my helper. Say Holy Spirit helper. Right? Say Holy Spirit parakletos. Para means come alongside, to help, to aid, to comfort me, to exhort me, to, to empower me. I want to encourage you to be aware because let me just say this to you. You can sing all you want to, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. God is my helper. But how does he help? He helps through the agency of the Holy Ghost, which he has put in you and uh, alongside you. So you must be thorough. Let me just say this. At school, children, the Holy Ghost is there to help you. You business people, the Holy Spirit can give you ingenious ideas. The Holy Spirit can give you answers to riddles. The Holy Spirit can give you a word of wisdom concerning a perplexing uh, uh, a problem you are facing. The Holy Spirit can give you a word of knowledge in a counseling session. How often have we experienced this? Remember Jesus sitting with the woman at the well, talking with her, right? And he said to her, go call your husband, right? She said, I have no husband. He said, you said right that you don't have any husband because you've already had five. And the man you are now living with is not your husband. She didn't tell Jesus that. How did he know that? Huh? The word of knowledge in action. Who informed Jesus of details in a domestic circumstance? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost will give you an edge. Right? Who would like some intelligence? It's nice to know some people's files. Uh, listen, you won't reveal any files to you for the wrong reasons. But if he needs you to be informed of a reality to accomplish his will without studying for anything, Holy Ghost comes in, assists you. 
Gives you all nine gifts of the Holy Ghost, right? right? And the word, if you're praying for someone that needs a miracle, lay your hands upon them and pray. Who's operating? Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, he's your helper. He's designed to help you. You see, grace works through the administration of the Holy Spirit. Comes via the word. But once present, it requires the administration, executive administration of the Holy Spirit to get the results done and the job done within yours and, and my life. Okay? By the way, it is used, this term parakletos, helper or comforter, as a legal advisor, a pleader, an advocate, one who comes forward on behalf of and to represent another. That's the Holy Ghost for you. He comes as your advocate. Same word is used of Jesus as an advocate for our sins. But he comes not for the sin issue. Yes, he will convict us of sin. How many know the Holy Spirit will convict you of sin? Right? You will not need a Bible study about that thing you are contemplating is wrong. You will feel awkward. How many feel awkward about, about I'm about to do this? Yay! And there's vava vum inside my spirit. Unsettling. Who's that? Holy Spirit is blessing the alarm bells. Woo! woo. The alarm is, who's that? He, he's, he's telling you, God's son, don't go there. God's son, watch that. Right? It's, it's the agency of the Holy He's there to protect you. He convicts you of sin. Right? That's why to, to neglect his voice is, is to court disaster. After he warns you several times. Ephesians 4, round about verse just 27 or so, Luke, I can't remember where it's found now. That's why I want to encourage you. Come on, who needs help? But you need help, we'll put our hands up, but don't neglect the Holy Ghost. Because the help is going to come through His work. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Do not give the devil an opportunity he who steals must steal no more, but rather must labor performing with his own hands what is good, so he'll have something to share with the one who is in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Next verse. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander. That's negative malicious speaking of people's nature and, and character. Let that be put away from you along with all malice. Verse 32. But be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. What is he saying? You don't live like this. What are you going to do to the Holy Ghost? You grieve Him. When you talk negatively, He's like a dove, the Holy Spirit. And the nature of doves, they're very, very sensitive. Not so? Pastor Samuel taught us on the series. Doves are sensitive. Right? If you challenge them, they'll come near you. They'll come on your table even. They'll come on your shoulder. But if you're an aggressive, what does it do? It flies away. Holy Spirit just draws back the moment you get into unforgiveness, the moment you get into bitterness, anger, negative speaking, uh, hateful, right? 
the moment there's no grace in your speech, because it says, let your speech transmit grace. Holy Spirit says, well, I'll take a back seat here. If you want to go that route, God's son, do it all by yourself. Just know this help has stepped back. Everyone say help. Would you want help to step back and say, if that's your attitude, you are grieving. You know, if you're, if you're grieved, if you've ever been grieved, hurt is another word, but hurt so deeply, it affects your personality. The Holy Spirit is easily grieved. He's a gentleman. And I want to encourage you, don't do any of what grieves him are these things. And when it, that happens, help steps back. Okay? Now, John 14, verse, verse 26. John 14, 26. But the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. He will do what to you? Again, he will teach you all things. I pray that if you're struggling to understand doctrine or biblical truth, and with the mind of your unrenewed soul, you cannot process it and come to accept it, ask the Holy Ghost to enlighten you. He is the greatest teacher. Say so the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. Please remember this. Teaching. Educating, revealing is part of his job description. If ever there's darkness and blur in your mind of understanding, say, Holy Spirit, show me. Many times I pray this. Open the eyes of my understanding that I might see the wonderful things in thy law. Show me, Holy Spirit. Please, church, you see, we can learn so much powerful principles, but practically when we go, we forget things. I want to encourage you, like I said today, when you pray, say, Father, who made the heavens and the earth. Let the concept sink in, in your heart. When you reference the Holy Spirit, you can talk to him, say, Holy Spirit, I thank you, you're here to help. You come alongside me, you're my advocate, you're there to aid me. But you also, in your aid, this verse tells me, you can teach me some things. And even when I forget, you bring to remembrance all the things that Jesus has said to me. I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit has reminded me of stuff I've learned. Has it happened to you? When the, when the hour in which you need it presents itself and you need that scripture, you need that counsel, suddenly out of nowhere, oops, it pops up in the mind. Who's helping? Who's, who's, who's behind the scenes? It's the, it's the Holy Spirit all, all the while. Okay? John 16 verse 12. John 16 and verse 12. Now, how does he come? Listen carefully. Jesus said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He not only explains or reveals truths to you, he guides you into it. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Okay? Now, I want you to make this practical where you are in your private world. Say this after me. The Holy Ghost can tell me what is to come. Start with your family. Lord, you can show me what's around the corner with this business. Lord, you can show me what's ailing my son. He might be in a different continent, like Elaine got uh, Kurt there in, in, the, in Ireland. 
on a per, Dennis in your workplace, the Holy Ghost can inform you of things in the corporate context. Office politics. Who knows about office politics? Right? We all have them. Holy Spirit can cause you to navigate, can disclose. It doesn't just disclose truth. He can disclose things, events, the nature of people. What's around the, what's around the corner? Do you think Jesus was taken aback by the betrayal of Judas? Was it a big surprise to him? Et tu, Brute. Was it that? Those of you who know Shakespeare. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. No, you too, Brutus. No, he, he, he wasn't. He wasn't. He knew exactly. Right? Actually put him out of his agony. He said, whatever you do, do it quickly. Right? Go for it, bro. <laughs> Holy Spirit can inform you. How many times I knew of someone that would betray me. I did not have concrete evidence. But I just knew this unsettling feeling in your spirit. Right? Holy Spirit. He's coming there to help you navigate through life. Right? And then, so how does this happen? Verse 14 is powerful. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will disclose it to you. Right? Jesus said, verse 15, All things that the Father are mine, therefore I said, He takes what is mine, and he will disclose it to you. Watch what Jesus is saying here. The Father has given me stuff. He takes the stuff from me and gives it to you. Right? He gives it to, he discloses it to, to you. Okay? So there's a disclosing element within the work and nature of the Holy Spirit. Go to John 14. This is where I really want to get to. John 14, 21. Now please focus. This is how it happens. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father. I will love him and I will disclose my self. So Jesus said, I want to disclose stuff in me to you. But what is the preeminent requirement? What does it say at the top here? You must have, has my commandments and keep. Everyone say have and keep. Right? So you have my commandment and keep. You then prove your love for me. And if you love me, my father definitely going to love you. And guess what? If my father loves you, brute, son of God, my younger brother, I'm your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two things I require for you. My commandments, have them, keep them. Hey, if you haven't, keep them. You demonstrate your love for me, and guess what? You're in good books with Dad. Father will come. Father's going to come. Whatever He's given me, right? He's going to love you too, and I will disclose myself to you. Verse 21, Judas asked the question, not Iscariot. 22, he said, Lord, what is happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world. How are you going to separate the, this disclosing issue, revealing yourself to some and not to, to others? Then he said, Jesus answered him and said, If anyone loves me, he does what he keeps my word. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make him our abode. The word abode here is mansions. That is used in John 14, verse 1. In my Father's house are many, many dwelling places. The mansion is not in heaven. You are the mansion. We make you our dwelling place. You our mansion, right? So we are going to come to you, and both of us, and we are going to make you our mansion. Verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which 
you here is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, when I say have and keep my words, it's really have and keep my Father's words because they are not mine. Then he says this, verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. Verse 26, but the helper, everyone say the helper. But the helper, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here's it. How does the Father and the Son come to you? The Father and the Son comes to you through the Holy Spirit. Right? When it says, my Father and I will love you because you have and keep my commandments. He comes, the, Father, the Holy Spirit in you. He, one of his job descriptions is to reveal to you both the Father and the both the Father and the Son come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. The only proviso is that you have and keep His commandments. Okay? Two more scriptures, then I'll close. I haven't really gotten near to where I want, thought we'd be today. Romans 8 verse 26 says the following. In the same way, the Spirit does what to our weaknesses? Everyone say helps. Right? The Spirit helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. With groanings too deep for words. Verse 27, and He who searches the hearts, that's the Holy Ghost, He knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the, the will of the Lord. So, just go back to the previous verse. For those of you struggling to pray, sometimes you, after five minutes, you actually don't know what to pray for. You wish time could fly because you're being bored in prayer. Guess what the Holy Ghost does? He's there to help you pray. The Spirit in you will address the Father in heaven in your prayer to your Father. It says very clearly, you see, again, the context is human weakness. And when, he, when you're weak in prayer, He comes along to, to help you. How many of you can relate to this part of the verse? We do not know how to pray as we should. How many can relate, right? We do not know how to pray as we should, but... The job of the Holy Spirit, He Himself intercedes for us with groanings. He feels so deeply about this, about you and the context of your human weakness. He's there to help you even pray through you. So I want to encourage you, tell your neighbor, pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18, let's close with this. Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times where? Now, repeat after me, pray in the Spirit. Now, praying in the Spirit is not speaking and praying in tongues. We understood it historically to be that, but it's much more than that. Praying in tongues is a very good thing, which I'll encourage you to do privately. I pray in tongues a lot privately. But praying in the Spirit is simply praying, being empowered by the Spirit in your prayer, and you're praying according to the perfect will of God, because he, the Spirit, knows the mind of God, knows the will of God. So if he prays through you, you'll be eating the will of God bullseye every time you pray.
Okay, it's in the will of God, bullseye, every single time you pray. Praying, and by the way, there's all kinds of prayer. Everyone say all prayer. Right? Intercession, supplication, uh, importunate prayer, um, prophetic prayer, governmental prayer, various postures in prayer. You can pace up and down your lounge. You can lie prostrate. You can kneel. You can sit. I want to encourage you, start to practice all kinds of prayer. There's only one methodology, all kinds of prayer, but it must be at all times, not sometimes, but it must be in the, in, the, in the spirit. With this in view, be alert with all perseverance and with all petition in, uh, for all the saints. Zechariah, quickly you've got to see this, Zechariah 4 verse 6. So, is the Holy Spirit designed to help? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit full of grace? Yeah. This verse tells you, watch. By the way, before we go here, go to Zechariah, same book, 12.10. Zechariah 12.10. I will pour out on the house of David, what? And the inhabitants of Jerusalem, what? Say the spirit of grace. Say if grace, the composite nature of God is in me. It comes via His spirit, which is a spirit of grace. And like, when I say it says, come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in times of need, the agency that God has employed to, to get this grace operative in you is called the Spirit of the Lord. Now tell your neighbor, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of grace. Come on, say it again. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of grace. This is a prophecy, by the way. Just like Joel 2.22, it'll come about in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon. When did that happen, that prophecy? When was, when was it fulfilled? In the book of Acts, what did Peter say? He says, this is that which was? Let me just say this. All these Old Testament prophecies have got to be fulfilled in New Testament times. This is a prophecy. Are you not the house of David? Yes or no? Are you not the house of David? Yes, we are. Right? After the, after the tribe of David, the tabernacle of David is being restored. And there's a prophecy in the Old Testament for you. I long to stand up one day like Peter and say, Wow, God, Peter spoke of Joel. I'm going to prophesy that this has come to pass. You have indeed poured out on the house of David, what? A spirit of grace. And what? Supplication is prayer. In fact, it strictly means a supplication for grace. Go check it out in the Hebrew. I poured the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look like I won't go to this. Go back to Zechariah 4 and verse, what did I say? 6. I just referenced that to encourage you. The spirit is a spirit of grace and there's a prophecy hanging that God wants to pour him out upon a divinity company, which are you. When it comes, prayer will hit you. You see, don't pray without the spirit of prayer. You can pray robotically and mechanically, but the spirit must drive you to, to pray. A spirit of prayer behind your prayer. That's what supplication. I pray God pour out upon the house a spirit of supplication. It's grace and, and supplication. So that you will not struggle when you pray, but the Holy Spirit will help your praying. Because sometimes you don't know how to pray as you should, but He, the Spirit, helps with groans and uh, groanings too deep to be uttered. Zechariah 4, 6. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by 
might, not by power, but by my. Come on, say it with me. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. How many of you have heard this statement before in your history of being serving, of serving the Lord? Yeah? You've heard this, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit declares the Lord. But the very next verse defines it. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You'll become a plain and will bring the top stone with what? Shouts of? So when it says, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit, that spirit there is a spirit that comes with shouts of grace, grace. Please, all I'm doing is, I want you to be aware, when he, the Holy Ghost, comes alongside to help you, he's coming with grace to help in time of your need, okay? I won't get to where I need to go, but go back to Ephesians 4 verse 16. I want to close just with one thought. How many people love the Holy Ghost? Come on, let me see your hands. He's wonderful. Close your eyes and say, Holy Ghost, you are wonderful. Say it again, Holy Ghost, you are, you are marvelous. Say, I love you, Holy Ghost. Say, Holy Spirit, you are Spirit of grace. You've come along to help me in time of need. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help win. In win, what conditions? Everyone say time of need. Now, time is eukairos. It, yes, it's not when you have a need. There's a difference between a need and a time of need. Right? Whenever you are having a need, the Holy Ghost and God will always come through. But on occasion, we have these protracted periods in life called time of need, where it's long. <laughs> Maybe too long for some of you. But this need is long time coming. Lord, when is this solution going to break? When, when is the answer going to happen? I don't think that the Lord has led us to focus on his disposition as help for no reason. I say to you, by the Spirit of the Lord, if you will have faith to receive it, your time of need is about to end. Not that there will be other times, because God uses times of need as the context for greater grace download. All suffering is opportunity to receive more grace. I believe that, and I'll demonstrate that to you. Eukairos, uh, from the word kairos, literally means an opportune time in which certain preordained events for your life have got to take place. Now, do you know some of the most significant developments of your life came out of the most trying times of your need. Do you know some of your greatest developments in Christ-like character came out of the greatest crises of your life? Right? If, you know, if you were never sick, you would never ever know God as healer. Some things you can't learn in a Bible study. You have to learn in the field called suffering, a time of need. And in context, there's human weakness. Watch. You have a high priest that's sympathetic to what you're going through. Please just remind someone, Jesus is sympathetic to, with what you're going through. Tell someone, he's sympathetic with what you're going through. Right? So you have a crisis. You have a sympathetic high priest. He has dispensed because he's not here on the earth right now. Right? How many of you wish Jesus were with me personally in my home tonight? Come on, how many? Yeah. But he said, listen, something better. 
He said, there's another just like me, same substance. Everything I was, he will be. He's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. Paracletos coming along, side you, teach you and guide you into all parts of truth, righteousness. Don't do anything to offend him. He's going to help you navigate through life. And when you hit a crisis call, throne of, uh, time of need, come to a throne of grace. Now, listen carefully. Say time of need. Say throne of grace. So the answer to your time of need is a throne of grace. And from the throne, all you need to do is come, draw near. Don't draw back. Don't recede. Say, come, draw near. And come with boldness, some versions say. Come with confidence, frankness of. It's not arrogance. You're saying, God, help me. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And He's here. He's with us. Amen. You have nothing to draw with. The woman said to Jesus, and the well is deep, amplifies the problem and diminishes Jesus' resources or ability to resolve the problem. Jesus, in that same context, says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but the water that I'm talking about, girl, you will never, ever thirst again. And this spakey of the, of the Spirit of the Lord, okay? You can solve any problem. You can plumb the depths of any well. No problem is too great for he who is your help. Amen. Stand with me.